Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, calls us to test everything, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every appearance of evil. In other words, Paul saying, test before you trust. Today we deal with another uh, interesting, very important passage as a matter of fact from the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, a verse that has been popularized again by the Word Faith Movement, that is used to provide encouragement to those who are going through suffering and specifically those who are sick. But the question we really want to ask today is, is Isaiah 53, particularly verses 4 and 5, really about physical healing? Now, you will agree with me that the question of healing is a very important question to believers and to the church at large today. Partly because, like everyone, even Christians fall sick. In fact, many Christians today are troubled with sicknesses of all kinds, and they are left wondering whether God will heal them or not. Many Christians open the passages of Scripture, and they see healing in the Scriptures, healing in the Old Testament, healing in the ministry of Jesus, healing in the ministry of the Apostles, and they are left wondering, does God still heal today? And if God really does heal today, can he heal me? I have been praying, I have been fasting, the church all over is praying for me, but will God really, really, truly heal me? So the subject of healing is one that divides so many Christians today. Christians from different denominations and different faith camps continue to debate about the subject of healing and to wonder whether healing is still something we can expect and something that we can trust God for today. As it stands, we have three camps today. Camp number one believes that God gives us absolute healing and if we are not healed, it's not because God has failed or doesn't want to heal us, it's because we lack faith. So some people especially under the word faith movement camp, seek to convince the church today that God heals today, that God wants to heal everyone who is sick today, and that you can actually claim your healing instantly today. And if you are not healed, it's not because God doesn't heal, it's because you lack faith or you have several other problems or reasons as to why you cannot be healed. So, preachers like these will encourage everyone who is sick to pray for their healing. Preachers like these will challenge you to think about yourself or your life and find out reasons why you may not be receiving your healing. It might be attributed to a lack of faith. It might be attributed to not giving your tithing in the church today. It might be attributed to you not honoring the man of God as we are hearing some modern prophets and apostles saying today. But whatever the reason... They will convince you that you are supposed to be healed. Healing is your right. Healing is something you should expect and something you should claim. Now, camp number two 
goes to the other extreme and says that God does not heal today at all. So as believers, when you fall sick, if you cannot find help from medical science, prepare to die because God does not heal today at all. In other words, God seized with his healing and while he did heal in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, we should not expect healing today because the gift of healing ceased and therefore when you are sick, you are on your own. Praying for healing is a waste of time. And of course, that is also um, a, a position that is believed by many believers across camps today. But there is position number three, which says that God does give definite healing today. The promise of healing is still there, but he may sometimes heal and sometimes he may not heal. So your job as a believer is to pray and trust God. But should he not heal you, you should not be surprised because healing is not a guarantee, especially for every believer today. So you have camp number one, absolute healing is promised today. You have camp number two, which says, do not expect healing at all, because gifts of healing ceased. You have camp number three, which says, God can heal. God has the power to heal, but sometimes he chooses to heal, sometimes he doesn't. So we are all called to pray and to trust God for healing, but in the event that it does not come, we should continue to trust the Lord because he's the one who decides who gets healed and who doesn't. Now, at the heart of this discussion, from all these three camps, by the way, is uh, the passage uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, from verses 4 and 5, that is always used and interpreted differently. What does Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5 say? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53 is one of the most renowned Old Testament passages on Christ's atoning work. In fact, John MacArthur, a popular Baptist preacher, refers to Isaiah 53 as the first gospel or the gospel according to God. Verses 5 and 4 particularly are often used, especially by word faith preachers, to claim that all Christians should experience earthly physical healing as a result of Jesus' atonement. So they look at the death of Jesus Christ, his sufferings, his passion, as um, the foundation upon which believers today should expect and claim the right to full health because they believe that Jesus died so that you may be, among other things, experience fullness of health or healing. Now, whereas most Christian scholars see this verse as a prophecy, that points to the healing of our spiritual wounds or the forgiveness of our sins by the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, most word faith preachers will interpret it to mean that abundant faith will result in your physical healing. Take, for instance, what uh, Kenneth Hagen has said, one of the word faith preachers who have popularized this doctrine. He says, I am fully convinced I would die saying it is so, that it is the plan of our Father God 
in his great love and in his great mercy, that no believer should ever be sick, that every believer should live his full lifespan down here on this earth, and that every believer should finally just fall asleep in Jesus. This is found in Kenneth Hagin's writings in Seven Things You Should Know About Divine Healing on page 21. So according to Hagin, believers are not even supposed to fall sick because the atonement not only provides the possibility of healing, but actually guarantees that those who trust in Jesus should never fall sick in the first place. Another word faith preacher, although not known by many as belonging to the word faith camp, named uh, Joseph Prince, he says that today healing is your right because Jesus has paid the price for your healing. So if the devil says you cannot be healed, just declare, Jesus has paid for my healing. Disease has no right to be in my body. I am healed in Jesus' name. And by that, he's pointing to several biblical Bible passages, including Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, where he claims that the atonement of Jesus is a guarantee that believers should not foresee. What faith preachers have taught that you can have total and complete healing now, that it is every believer's right to be completely free from all sickness, and no believer should ever be sick because sickness is a curse that was removed by the atonement. And that if you are sick, it is because you lack the necessary faith to appropriate your healing. So in other words, your sickness is a sign that you have not believed God enough. Your sickness is a sign that you do either lack the appropriate faith for you to be healed, but your healing has already been guaranteed and paid for in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Most word faith preachers will often quote Matthew chapter 8 from verses 16 to 17, where Matthew alludes to verse 4 of Isaiah 53 in the fulfillment of physical healing. Matthew 8, 16 and 17 says that that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So Matthew alludes to Isaiah 53 verse 4 as he sees the healing ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. But word faith preachers also use First Peter chapter 2 verses 24 to 25 which says that he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So what faith preacher, preachers looking at First Peter 2 verse 24 and 25, they see Peter as saying that our healing is already accomplished, concluding that what stands between you and your sickness is faith. If you exercise your faith and take charge of your already given healing, you should not be troubled by sicknesses, they say. But here are some important questions that you and I, as believers in Christ Jesus, should be thinking about. As we approach Isaiah 53, should we really believe that physical healing is involved in the atonement talked about by Isaiah in chapter 53? For what exactly did Christ atone? Was it for our physical sicknesses and ailments? 
was it for our iniquities and transgressions? How should we interpret and understand Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5? Was Christ for instance punished for our diseases? Did Christ bear our diseases in his body just the same way that he bore our sins as we will read in First Peter 2 as well as Isaiah 53? Can we as believers today expect to have immediate freedom from sickness and diseases the same way that we have received our forgiveness? And as we think about these questions that are very important, to also recognize that the Bible actually does teach healing. The Bible does not deny that healing can be expected or that healing can be asked for from God. In fact, as we read earlier in Matthew, we recognize that healing was part of Jesus' ministry and we see that throughout the New Testament through the apostolic ministry. We recognize that there were gifts of healing in the church in the New Testament and in fact, in James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, Christians are specifically encouraged to pray for the sick, who is the promise of answered prayer. But what does Isaiah 53 really, really teach? How can we know that it is not talking about physical healing specifically? Well, for starters, we need to look at the context of the passage and ask ourselves, what is the prophet Isaiah talking about? And as we look at the context of the passage, we recognize right away that Isaiah 53 is one of those passages that have been called the passage of the suffering servant, where Isaiah talks about the man of sorrows, the one who will bear the sins of God's people, the one through whose punishment and chastisement God's people will not be punished, but rather will be forgiven on account of the man of sorrows who has received punishment on their behalf. Isaiah 53 deals with sin and not physical sicknesses as we have seen. Isaiah 53 deals with the transgressions and the iniquities of God's people and shows us how the son of the, 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 the suffering servant or the man of sorrows takes all our punishment that we deserved so that through his suffering we might experience God's salvation. Looking at how Peter understands Isaiah 53, Peter tells us that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And he concludes saying that by his wounds you have been healed. Remember that Peter is writing to believers and he is telling them how it is that they have come to be believers, how it is that God looks at them as forgiven saints and not just sinners as they used to be. And Peter reminds them that all this happened because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And what was the atonement about? The bearing of our sins in his body on the tree. Why did he bear our sins in his body on the tree? That we might die to sins and live for righteousness. So what is it exactly that we have been healed of by understanding what Peter is trying to say here? That we have been healed of our sins. Which is why now we have received God's righteousness. So the verse is talking about sin and righteousness, not about sickness and disease. 
The verse, therefore, when it talks about healing, it is talking not of physical bodies, but of spiritual sicknesses. It is talking about forgiveness, about reconciliation with God for we who were estranged from him. It is talking about uh, salvation as it has come to our hearts, that we who were spiritually sick of sin have now been healed from the spiritual sickness and disease, and these have been replaced by God's righteousness. So Peter is really not talking about physical healing here. Peter is addressing sin and righteousness. So what about Matthew? What do we do with the passage in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, where clearly Matthew sees this verse 4 of Isaiah 53 as referring to physical healing for those who were part of Jesus' ministry? Well, number one, we must recognize that this healing does not happen during the atonement or during the suffering and death of Jesus. This healing itself takes place when Jesus is still performing his ministry, he's still going about preaching, at this time he has not even yet suffered and died. So for one to conclude that the atonement guarantees this physical healing is to push it too far because the atonement has not taken place at the time in which Jesus is still doing his ministry uh, among God's people at that time. We must also recognize that in Jesus' ministry, he had a way of doing physical things to point to spiritual realities and truth. Like for instance, when he feeds the 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread, the next day he teaches them about himself being the bread of life, meaning that the miracle was not an end in and of itself, but was a pointer to the greater reality that Jesus was the spiritual bread. And in this case, we see Jesus use physical healing of sicknesses and demons and diseases as a foretest of the full and final healing that is to come upon his return. When Jesus heals the sick people, he does not heal them just as an end in and of itself, but as a pointer to the full and final spiritual healing that is going to take place in the atonement. We see the same idea in Mark chapter 2, where he heals the lame man. And when he heals the lame man, he does not just heal his physical illnesses, but he actually begins by saying, Son, your sins are forgiven. Not your paralysis is taken away, as much as he eventually does it, but most importantly, that his sins were forgiven. So he's, the healing of paralysis is a pointer to the most important healing that takes place in his heart in the forgiveness of his sins. Christ's ministry certainly included healing of physical diseases, comforting the suffering, ministering to those who were in torment, but Christ's mission was not to guarantee physical healing for those who would always fall sick in the future to come, but rather to provide a perfect sinless sacrifice for the sins of mankind so that men and women might be saved from their sins and guaranteed a place in the Father's kingdom. Now, this is not to say that people cannot be miraculously healed by God today. But we cannot claim that Christ's death on the cross necessarily guarantees physical healing of anyone or of any disease or infirmity. But we can say that Christ's death on the cross does guarantee forgiveness of sins for all those who believe and trust in him, all those who trust in his atonement as payment for our sins. 
we must understand that while God is greatly concerned about our physical sicknesses, which are earthly and temporary, he is much more concerned about our spiritual diseases of sin and especially the eternal consequences that accrue from our sins. Since we have not yet received the redemption of our bodies, we must always know or remember that suffering and death are still our lot until the resurrection or until the return of Jesus Christ. Remember, even as Paul will later tell the Romans Christians, that creation still groans as in the pains of childbirth, that we are still in the process of renewal in Christ, and sometimes God's plan will include supernatural healing here on earth, Although it is not a right to claim, it is one of God's grace, and it is not a doctrine that is guaranteed that whoever is sick must always necessarily be healed, we must always remember that perfect spiritual, emotional, and physical health will not be available in its finality and fullness until eternity when we are completely healed and transformed. As we can see, even the best of Christians today who have faith still experience sickness and disease on this side of heaven. Even in the New Testament, we see the apostles themselves, faithful, fervent followers of Christ, they themselves confess like we see in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. The apostle Paul says that, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is the Apostle Paul saying in this passage? Number one, that while our spirits continue to grow and to be deep in the things of God, our bodies outwardly continue to waste away, continue to perish, continue to grow weaker day by day. Now this is a man of God, one who even prayed for those who were sick and they received their healing. But what is his confession? That no matter what we do, no matter what we think, we believe or say, our bodies continue to waste away outwardly. And therefore, what we should be looking for is not so much the nourishment of the outward bodies, which eventually must waste away, but the inward renewal and strengthening of our spirits. The Apostle Paul reminds us that while trouble, sickness, disease may be inevitable and current realities, our eyes must be focused not on momentary healing, but on the eternal glory that far outweighs everything that we have today. Listen to what he says again in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that for we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have an ab a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be closed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are closed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. But we do not wish to be unclosed, but to be closed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. What is the Apostle Paul saying? 
The Apostle Paul saying that while we are in this body here on earth, we will have troubles, our bodies will have diseases, our bodies will eventually be destroyed, and therefore our longing and trust and comfort cannot be in these earthly bodies or tents, but rather beyond them, to embrace that which does not pass away. But while we are in these bodies, we must expect groaning, we must expect burdens, we must expect sicknesses. So when word faith preachers say that healing is guaranteed for all those who believe, how are they understanding these passages spoken by none other than the Apostle Paul? Did the Apostle Paul believe that every believer had the right to always be healed no matter what? Certainly not. Otherwise these verses would not make sense for us. Our redemption is not fully realized here on earth and we must continue to remember that. When Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verses 22 to 25, he says that in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. What is the Apostle Paul saying? That while final and future healing is guaranteed for believers, it is not yet a present reality. And until then, there is a lot that is not yet in place. Talking about Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, the writer of Hebrews also reminds us that but we do not see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? That even Jesus who was made a little lower than angels for a little while, we do not see him now crowned fully with glory and honor. Why? Because the final crowning and glory will happen in the second coming, in his glorious return, when he comes as a victor, when he comes as a conqueror, when he comes to finally and fully deliver his people from both spiritual and physical ailments. But until then, we wait longingly. Until then, we wait patiently. Until then, we wait prayerfully. Until then, we wait trustingly for that deliverance to come. The belief that Christ's physical suffering somehow guarantees our physical healing in this life isn't merely an abuse of scripture, but it's a form of physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual anguish, especially to those who believe this way. It's a lie that leaves many believers disappointed and disillusioned with the gospel, with themselves, and with God ultimately. Because when they are not healed, they think that either it's their fault because they lack faith, or that God has failed them. This kind of teaching takes believers away from the eternal that really matters and puts the point, focuses them on the temporary that is passing away. Instead of longing for our heavenly home, we find ourselves gripped by a fantasy and unrealized expectations in the here and now. Instead of looking at what is to come and what is sure and secure, we find ourselves looking the temporary pleasures, the fleeting moments of this world, all because we misunderstand scripture. And when such healing does not come that we have trusted God for, we find ourselves with guilt. When we are not healed, we are left thinking that it's because we did not have enough faith, and yet that's really not what Isaiah 53 is conditioned on. The fact that everyone still dies, that itself should be proof enough that on this side of eternity, 
all people are still subject to Adam's curse, all is not well, while in a sense we experience salvation and its benefits, we do not yet experience them in their fullness. Sickness continues to be a very real part of life in this foreign world, and no amount of claiming divine health is going to change that. We see that even the disciples of Jesus and the early church believers, they did not just rebuke the physical ailments into oblivion. They dealt with them as realities that they lived with. They dealt with them as best as they could like everyone else. And they looked beyond the, the impediments of the day to the glorious return and triumph of Jesus Christ. We should also note that in a real sense, Christ's atonement on the cross does extend to physical healing. The only difference is that this healing is not guaranteed now. While God may from time to time heal these people as he chooses by his divine power and grace, it's not a guarantee that every believer who is sick must be healed from every sickness and at all times. Sometimes we see God supernaturally intervene and heal those who are sick. At other times we pray, but we see believers continue to fall sick and to die. One day there will be no more death, there will be no mourning, there will be no crying or pain. As we see especially in the book of Revelation, the old order of things has passed away. Revelation 24 verse 4. But until then, the Apostle Paul points out that we continue to wait upon God patiently as we deal with our current infirmities. In Romans 8.25 he says, that we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Final, ultimate healing is not here yet, and we continue to struggle. Sometimes even some of our loved ones die in spite of our prayers, yet we continue to wait, we continue to hope, we continue to be patient, because we know that there will come a day when God will remove all this sickness and disease and introduce us to an eternity that is free from all ailments. Revelation 21 verse 4 describes the true healing that we all should be longing for. That he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Brothers and sisters, we can be confident that a time is coming when Christ will fully and finally triumph over every evil, over every sickness and disease that we will join him in an eternity where there will be perfect health, where there will be no more sickness, no more crying, no more death. But until then, in the, on this side of heaven, in a foreign world like ours, we can be sure that sickness and disease are here among us. We are called to pray and trust the Lord for healing, yet this we cannot claim as a right, this we cannot claim as an absolute guarantee that we will be healed, even when we are healed, it is an act of God's grace, not a right that we claim. And when we are not healed of our physical sicknesses, we are healed spiritually by death when we enter into glory upon our death. And no matter how we look at it, Christ remains triumphant, whether over physical sickness or spiritual sickness, and ultimately over death that threatens all of us. 
Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5 are promises and guarantees of spiritual healing of all those who have come to trust in Christ Jesus. That in Jesus, we who were destined for eternal destruction have received eternal life because of the sufferings and the death of Christ Jesus. It is not a blanket guarantee for all healing from all sickness and disease. We see a sense in which from time to time God extends physical healing to those who trust in him, but it is a foretaste of the great healing that is to come. And therefore full and final healing cannot be expected on this side of heaven. But when that healing does come, it is a, a, a reminder of what God has promised us and what we must continue to look for as we wait upon the Lord. May the Lord bless you in your situation, whatever it is or wherever you are, and may he give you the courage and the patience to wait upon him as you continue to trust him, not just for healing now, but for eternal healing that has been guaranteed to us in the sufferings and the death of Christ. May God bless you so much. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.